Welcome to Shadow Self, the podcast, presented by Shadow Mind LLC. Go to www.yourshadowmind.com for your Enneagram coaching needs. And don't forget about our holiday specials that's happening right now. And any portion of our proceeds will go to helping those in need this holiday season. Hey there, everyone. This is Tim Bearden again from Shadow Mind, and this is Shadow Self, the podcast. You can check us out at www.yourshadowmind.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and find us on Spotify. I just wanted to pop in and talk to you a little bit more about our series on the Enneagram and relationships. And if you have a relationship right now, if you and a couple would like to have Enneagram coaching to help better your communication, you can always visit our website and sign up for a free consultation. Now, we were going to continue this series and talk a little bit about communication styles of the two, three, and four. And we're still going to do that, but we're going to take a step back because after I was thinking about it, before we can talk about how we communicate, we have to understand better what communication looks like. And what do I mean by that? Well, we have differences in communication. We have verbal communication in person um, or over the phone. We also have texting. We have email. We have writing letters. We have all these different ways of communicating. And a lot more of it is instantaneous now with the advancement we have in technology and with smartphones and the ability to respond has become so much easier than it ever used to be. Even with the uh, popularity of the the court, excuse me, even with the popularity of the, the landline, we still had the ability to take ourselves away from situations. And we don't really have that as much as we used to. And a lot of it has to do with the way it, cell phones are designed. And I don't know if any of you have watched The show, Social Dilemma, but essentially they are conditioning us to need our phones more and more and relying on that as our sole form of communication and contact with the outside world. And the more we're engaged with those the more we run into the problems of misinterpretation because communicating via text or online is completely different than communicating in person. And while communicating in person, we can have the same quick conversations, we also have a lot more information than we do when we're talking through text or through a letter. And letters completely different from texting, right? Texting just makes it so so we can respond faster and we have more knee-jerk reactions than we once did. If you think about the difference between texting someone and writing them a letter, a text you can send right now. They say something, you respond back. It's like an actual conversation. Whereas when we were writing letters, we were having that conversation. But if something within that letter sparked some kind of an emotion or anything within us, we weren't able to respond immediately. So we were able to take time and process. And I think 
that was better for our communication overall when it came to written communication. And that's only because it is harder to tell what a person's thinking and feeling in written communication, especially in um, instances where there's a lot of conflict. And that's one thing I really recommend a lot of people do not engage in conflict over text messaging, over instant messaging, or WhatsApp, or Facebook Messenger, or whatever. That leaves a lot of room for misinterpretation because texts are quick and oftentimes when we're thinking about what we're sending, we know what we mean, but what we're saying doesn't necessarily translate our intentions. And if our intentions aren't translated properly, then we're butting up against a way someone processes information. And a lot of the times they're going to jump to worst case scenarios because that's human nature, right? Some people are internal processors. Some people are verbal processors. So an internal processor will take the information and retain it and they'll ponder it and they'll think about it and they'll try and figure it out. Whereas the verbal processor is just coming up with things as they go, trying to get through with what is going on. And so it's harder in instances where there's no visual contact with this person because you can't tell the body language, and so you're misinterpreting tone at this point, you're misinterpreting what they're saying, and they're doing the exact same thing on their end. And so in conflict, as everyone knows, there's a difference between internal focus and external focus. And oftentimes when we're disagreeing with someone or where we're in a place where conflict is running rampant, we tend to put blame on the other person rather than looking in internally and seeing what we're doing to cause the situation. And after some time of processing and thinking about it, and anyone who's ever been in a breakup can probably attest to this, is you start to realize that, okay, yeah, I can do this better, do that better, and then you're growing as a person. And that growth helps you guide what happens in the next relationship. And so it also turns up that internal focus, that introspection that we all really need when it comes to engaging with other people. There's also the difference between active listening or listening to respond. Active listening revolves around reflection. And this is part of um, the Gottman Institute, um, who also came up with the Four Horsemen of Communication, which we'll get to here in just a second. But when you're listening or when someone's talking to you and they're telling you how they're feeling or what's going on or what they your perceived slight against them was, it's easy to listen and respond and get defensive immediately. What takes time is listening and understanding how they're feeling, understanding what it was that put them in that heightened emotional state. Because once we work to understand each other better, we can empathize with each other better, right? And if we can empathize with each other better, we can resolve conflicts more peacefully. Now, this isn't always going to be possible. This isn't one of those steadfast, happens all the time rules there are some people that can engage this way and there's some people who can't. But as a general rule of thumb, this is the way we would want to move in conflict. And so when I'm talking about 
Gottman Institute, the four horsemen of communication always come into, um, pop into my head. And that's criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. What they mean by criticism isn't necessarily offering a complaint or a critique to your partner. It's more of pointing out flaws in their character. So that on their website, they give this example. So a complaint is, I was scared when you were running late and didn't call me. I thought we had agreed that we would do that for each other. So that's just pointing out something that didn't meet my expectations had happened. What happened? Can we talk about this further? So that opens the door for more communication, right? It doesn't put the person on defensive. It gives them the ability to explain themselves. Whereas if you were criticizing them, um, their example is you never think about your behaviors affecting other people. And I don't believe you are that forgetful. You're just selfish. So you're attacking their character. And we can get into this a lot of times in relationships because in the heat of the moment, it's easier to blame the other person rather than accept responsibility. Now, the second horseman is contempt. And so this has a lot to do with the passive-aggressive communication, like sarcasm or ridicule or negative body language, like rolling your eyes or, you know, like deep sighs and like haughty sighs is what I call them, where they mimic you or they'll call you names. So it goes beyond criticism per the Gottman Institute. And um, it ridicules their feelings. So the example they give, oh, you're tired? Well, cry me a river. I've been with the kids all day, yada, yada, yada. So it's essentially kind of like one-upping the other person, getting resentful um, for them for having the same feelings that you are, but not listening to them. Because we all want to be heard. And contempt, they, they note in here, is the single greatest predicator of divorce. So when there's contempt in the relationship, that is when you really need to take some time and talk through those, those issues. And in these types of situations, it's better to see your partner as someone who isn't communicating properly and has some really deeply buried resentments that may very well not be your fault. But if you can talk them into some kind of counseling um, couples therapy, mediation through your church, um, mediation through a relationship counselor uh, or a relationship coach. I mean, all of those things would help you guys identify where the contempt is coming from. And that way you can work to resolve it rather than allowing it to lead it down a negative path and inevitably destroying any kind of relationship you have. And if you are married and if you have kids, that could really be damaging to the divorce process because the one reason why most divorces get heated is because the two people have such contempt for each other that they don't take time to work out their differences or try and talk through them in a more compromising way. They both want to stick their feet in the sand. And I'm guilty of this. Um, I think we all have been at some time or another the best thing we can do is recognize it. So the third horseman of communication is defensiveness. So this is usually um, a response to that criticism 
in the beginning. So it's essentially they're saying, oh, no, you're not a great person. Well, you remember the time that you did this. So they get defensive. Hey, I'm not that way. But hey, I'm look at you. Look at what you're doing. And so this is where we start to play the blame game a lot. And the fourth horseman is stonewalling. And stonewalling is essentially like the silent treatment. They won't talk to you. They don't want to have anything to do with conversations. They just shut down and they simply stop responding to you. And that's usually a response from the contempt. And so when we're in these places, we need to better recognize what we're doing in terms of how we're damaging our communication. And then we need to build toward repairing that communication. The Gottman Institute will have different kind of information for you on how this can be done. That's not what this podcast is for. But I just wanted to give you an idea of what communication looks like overall, because I do believe that if we understand it, then we can communicate with each other better and we can resolve conflict in a healthier way rather than a destructive way. So to get into our topic of two, threes, and fours, I first need to introduce Catherine Favre. So Catherine Favre is the leading expert on tri-types along with her husband, David. They have also are leading experts on typing people. And I was watching one of their panels, and I want to relay this to everybody out there, that typing someone isn't something we ought to do. Now, we can have an idea of that in our head, of what they kind of look like, but it's hard to base it just off of behavior. There's so many more layers that we need to understand in order to type someone, including their motivations. Never offer someone their type if you think you know it, because only that person really knows their type. But if you have an idea of what that type looks like, then you can better understand how you can communicate with them and what kind of language they use. Um, Catherine developed this lexicon of common phrases uh, or words that different types use. And we need to take a better look at the language the types use so we know how to relate to them better. Catherine also has a recorded webinar I've been watching on how to type people based on their facial features and their micro expressions. And it's really very interesting. And when you look at someone's picture, you can get a better idea of what their type might be. And they've done extensive research into this. And it's just absolutely fascinating. And she'll be on our show on December 18th at 12 p.m. Central Time, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Pacific Time. So I really look forward to talking to her and communication styles in the Enneagram. But just to kind of give you a little brief idea of what she she's talking about here, I have the lexicon that she talks about different types having. So we have the two. And remember that the two is more the support person. The two wants to, to help others and they use it as a sense of their identity, right? And so when you're talking about a two, a two will often use words like helpful or altruistic or considerate or kind, attractive, good listener, appreciated. Specifically in text messages or dating profiles, picking up on a lot of these words or common phrases 
will help you identify what that type is. And just like anybody else and any of the other compatibility algorithms out there, when you're looking at Enneagram types, there are some types that work together better than others, and there are some types that are not necessarily naturally good at working together, and it takes some effort. So understanding these can help you communicate with that person better. And I'm going to really drive home communication because I think that's a lot of the things that happen in relationships. And I think that's a big reason why we struggle so much to understand each other. And if we can understand ourselves better, then we can understand each other better. We can open ourselves up to being more empathetic with that person, right? So when you're thinking of the two, think of someone who really, really wants to help out. So then we also have the threes. And now remember the threes are, excuse me, so remember the threes are more extroverted. And the threes also want that same identity, but they want to be seen for the person that they think they are, right? And a lot of times that comes into conflict because the person that they believe they are are, isn't always the person that they're showing on the outside when they move into those unhealthy and stressed places, they will inevitably tell you how much they do and how great they are. And so words that a three often will use is like a go-getter or successful or achievements or driven or adaptable, warm, competition. They're competitive, um, cool, awesome, wow. I want to put a little asterisk next to those because I wouldn't say that those are indicative always of a three, but a three will use them more often in combination with these others. So I want to make sure that that's clarified. And I'm sure when Catherine's on her show, if she's listened to this, um, she can help me clarify that even further if I missed the mark on uh, those three. Now the four, remember, they want to be known the same way the twos and the threes do. They want to be recognized, right? but they want to be recognized for being more unique. A lot of times your fours will have very ordinary clothes or just look very run-of-the-mill because ultimately they like to withdraw and blend in, but their uniqueness, they'll pull into something that's retro or they'll have a very unique look about them. And you can think of them, I don't want to classify them as hipsters, but... When I was listening to um, another Enneagram expert explain it that way, where they were talking about how they have very retro glasses, um, I believe it was Catherine as well on that um, typing person. I think we were she was talking about it in relation with uh, Johnny Depp. And it's just very interesting to see that different types really do have different ways of standing out if we take the time and pay attention. And so a four will tell you things like they're deep or they'll talk about beauty or being intellectual or authentic or really bringing up individuality. They, they're they very individualistic people. Um, they want to they, they blend in and stick out at the same time. They talk about being crass or spiritual or gifted or fiery. They'll use the word empathetic a lot. 
when we're we're thinking of all these words and we're looking at people who are talking to us even in normal everyday conversation because that's when those words are going to come up most right and we can pick up on these little patterns and when they're being mindful of it that's when they're really focusing on words that they know and are comfortable with expressing themselves as and so when you're looking at dating profiles it's it i think it's especially helpful to understand the lexicon of the types in order to know what type you are working to relate to and knowing that you have to do it from the lens of your own type. So that's all that we have for today. Um, I just want to thank you all for continuing to listen and enjoy Shadow Self, the podcast, and we will have a lot more coming down the pipe for you. Again, don't forget to tune in on... Again, don't forget to tune in on December 18th at 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Excuse me. And don't forget, on December 18th at 12 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, we'll be doing a live podcast with Catherine Favre. She will be on here talking about communication, and we'll talk about the lexicon and the identification of facial features and how to use photographs to help identify the types. It's going to be really interesting, and it's going to be live on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash yourshadowmind. Like us, follow us, and on that day, you will get to hear from one of the pioneers in the Enneagram. Well, that is all I have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you at the start of December.